ora ko Jane Patterson TNA ane te porongo toranga pumo TNA wiki. Welcome to Focus on Politics. Week three and the campaign rolls on. Debates, polls and a selection of sausage and cheese rolls. Ingrid and Corin on Morning Report were joined by me, Jane Patterson, RNZ Deputy Political Editor Craig McCulloch, Newsroom Political Editor Joe Moyer and Stuff Political Editor Luke Malpass for a look back at the week that was. Me and my colleagues, listen up, we'll work with anyone to try and fix it now. Really, you are baiting, and you always have, David, and you mm. know it. It's not credible for the guy who's had more chances to fix New Zealand's problems than anyone oh, else alive. Hang on, hang on. I was I'm just sorry, talking about redistributing we wealth. We're not talking about taking them out. Go and ask Jim Bolger or go and ask Helen Clark whether I can be trusted. You're not comfortable in your skin for your waka papa. Do people actually trust that Luxon is going to be able to manage these two? Whereas, like, we, we can be friends, eh? Yeah. So, like, what are the choices? Can trust us, Whanau. It's like an arsonist showing up dressed as a fireman saying, I'm here to help and fix it all for you. That means you'd better get some adults in the room and leave the trousers on, for goodness sake. OK, let's talk about this debate. Everyone's had a bit of a late night uh, analysing this debate last night. It was uh, well, it certainly wasn't boring, was it, Jane? It was not boring. It was pacey and it was quite focused in terms of specific um, policy areas and areas like coalition, um, which which was a fascinating insight into the dynamic between David and Seymour and Winston Peters seeing them on the same stage together last night. Now, Winston Peters, I think, came in a bit more conciliatory. Yes. He's on that cusp. He's polling around 5%. So, obviously, a lot of talk about whether National might need ACT and New Zealand First. So I think he was there trying to stay relevant, saying, hey, I'm not a troublemaker. You can work with me. Uh, David Seymour, I don't think, quite got there. He was also given the chance but couldn't, couldn't resist a whack at Winston Peters. Uh, there's not a great personal relationship, but they're obviously both trying to present that possibility that actually it could work if that's what the voters end up, uh, if that's where the votes end up lying. If you absolutely have to. Joe, what was your take on it? Oh, it was an incredibly lively debate. I mean, being in the audience, it was it was hilarious. The The crowd was very into it. There was lots of lols. Uh, the favourite for me was from Winston Peters when he said that the adults were in the room and they had their trousers on, suggesting, I assume, that David Seymour had rocked up in shorts. For the record, he had not. But, um, yeah, lots of uh, really, really good quips and one-liners. And I thought Marama Davidson brought an extraordinary amount of energy. Interesting, too, because David Seymour and Winston Peters had actually had a debate earlier in the day the first time they debated each other at a North Harbour um, business finance event in the afternoon. They were not really kind of firing up. There, were ve- there was very little interaction between them. So I actually think that they probably were saving the energy in the tank and they were, were ready to go big um, in a televised uh, debate like we had last night. With these debates, I always think it's helpful to think about what the participants needed to achieve and whether they did that. And I think that David Seymour came in. He really needed, he really wants to steal those votes from New Zealand first. He wants to pull them over he needed to make Mr Peters look irrelevant and convince voters that he was the better option and did he do that? I don't think that he did. When it comes to when it comes to Marama Davidson and Debbie Naruopaka they were in lockstep, they're searching for votes in that same area on the left they spoke directly to that group of voters um, and I think they did that successfully so they get points for that but that they also didn't do much to differentiate themselves. So if those left-wing voters are deciding Greens or Te Party Māori, they didn't really differentiate themselves there. Winston Peters, meanwhile, he really needed airtime, he needed that platform, he needed that credibility to instil confidence that, um, that, yes, his party will make it over that 5% threshold. And I think that he showed last night why he is a force to be reckoned with and why 
you never rule him out. Well, also, um, David Seymour last night basically saying that he wouldn't necessarily enforce any bottom lines mm. with National as well, which I thought was quite interesting. I mean, David Seymour's really softened his approach to a lot of things this week. I mean, the the RNZ story was at the start of last week, I think, around um, the confidence in supply and, and sort of pushing and making it look as though, you know, he would really use that leverage. All of that's pulled back in the last week, um, and you've now got a situation where both Winston Peters and David Seymour are saying that they would work with each other. Christopher Luxon's made it pretty clear he'll work with whoever he needs to in order to form a, a coalition if uh, they're in that position after October 14. And David Seymour's kind of, you know, put his hands up and, and, and pulled back a lot, I reckon. Well, they'll Although, work together, but 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 how how cohesive will that relationship be? I think that dynamic, the, the, the clash between the two of them uh, is quite informative as well. I, I mean, if there were going to be a debate loser, I think it's probably Christopher Luxon and Chris Hipkins for different reasons. If you look at that conflict between Mr Peters and Mr Seymour, potentially some voters in the middle there looking at that going, oh, is that arrangement really going to be a cohesive one or is it going to be that coalition of chaos which Labour keeps yeah. talking about? Look, Chris is a bit bent out of shape because actually the Labour Party and the CTU used to actually support working people. With all due respect, Chris, Winston Peters and David Seymour will be running circles around you. Imagine when you throw Te Pāti Māori, the Greens, and I'd argue you've got the support of the gangs there as well. It's a pretty simple question. Will landlords Chris? pass on the benefit of your tax cuts to their tenants? What you're doing is not putting any downward pressure on I, rent. I think that's those a no. Two, those I two think that's a no. You know, Chris has got a plan to take GST off fruit and vegetables. He's suggesting that a grocery commissioner is going to go around with a clipboard looking at the price of bananas up and down this country. So Christopher said that he's in favour of having Māori health providers, but he doesn't think that there should be a Māori health authority. You don't need two separate systems. You don't need two separate systems. But they're not. What's the difference? Luke, what did you make casting your mind back uh, to the uh, to the leaders' debate earlier in the week? Oh, look, uh, I thought it was, I mean, really the big unknown ahead of that was how Christopher Luxon would perform, and he turned up and did everything he need to, needed to, which was he looked like a credible alternative Prime Minister. Um, the way just the debate was structured, everyone was basically allowed to sort of stick to their lines, and what came across was... Um, Ultimately, um, you know, what, what you see on the box, kind of two suburban dads who have both done really well in life, um, debating each other and kind of think recycling has something to do with climate change, you know? <laughs> well, I certainly think it's a victory for the New Zealand economy and for the people who work hard every single day to make sure that we deliver good quality jobs. You know, exporters have had a really tough time and you can see through these numbers that they've worked hard to keep getting goods and services out into market. I've always felt that the New Zealand economy was resilient. Uh, we've had the tick of approval from the ratings agencies who've had a look at what we're doing. And I think I know we're in a very uh, political period at the moment, but these sort of statistics give me heart that we've genuinely turned a corner. This is an insult to every New Zealander who is still struggling to pay their rent, their mortgage, for their groceries because of Labour's reckless economic mismanagement. And to see a finance minister so out of touch today that he claimed victory tells me he needs to get out more. You know, when it comes to fiscal policy, it's actually going to be the circumstances rather than the parties that dictate where we go. I think we're going to have to work really hard uh, together to navigate some pretty choppy waters because I suspect that um, there's not just nothing left in the cupboard. Uh, I suspect that uh, Grant Robertson's been borrowing a few cups of sugar from the neighbour and we're going to have to make up for all of that. 21 days after the National Party released their tax plan, we still don't have the key to their costings. Uh, Christopher Luxon was unable to answer in any detail 
how the National Party are going to pay for their tax plan. And he was also unable to share any details of exactly where the National Party is going to cut in order to save somewhere between 6 to $8 billion. I'm not getting into post-election negotiations. That's not something we're going to do via the media on this side of the election. What I'm focused on right now as leader of the National Party is making my case to the New Zealand people that if you want a guaranteed change of government, if you want to change the direction of this company, I'm just saying I don't want you supporting any other party. The GDP figures out, and the, the and it's sort of the debate between Grant Robertson and, and Nicola Willis in some ways, uh, and the language about framing. You know, this is it disaster economy, or is it better than it has been? How do you think it's framed now that we weren't actually technically in recession? Actually, the economy grew a little bit stronger than people thought. Uh, some of the some of the attack lines from National are kind of out of date now. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so the the GDP figures got updated, and um, essentially the the recession got updated out of existence. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I've always viewed this. It's sort of it, it kind of the economy is almost separated as an issue from inflation. Inflation's the one indicator that rules them all. That's actually the thing that is really hurting people: inflation and high interest rates. I mean, if you look at the, you know. Unemployment's at about what three point five, three point six percent. Usually, if the economy is you know wrecked and that sort of thing, you've got unemployment going up. People are worried about their jobs. Um, what we've got at the moment is a is a, is a cost of living crunch, which is uh, which is a and a fiscal crunch. And, separate and, and, yeah, from the economy. And separate, and separate from that, there's obviously um, the very legitimate debate around. Um, around just how much government spending has risen over the last six years. But do you think it shifts now the the way in which they will f- scrap it out over the economy or are the public not going to care about 0.9% here or 1% there or whatever? I don't think people care that much. I don't. Th- I think probably it had more value for National the fact that there was a recession. Um, you know, well, you know, three months ago it was called a recession. A lot, often people say, oh, it's a technical recession. Well, there's, there's no other sort. Um, it's just a measurement. And... Um, and you know, I think probably that got embedded. The fact that there hasn't been, you know, Nicola Willis basically just said, "Oh, well, that doesn't really matter." Yesterday, uh, it's all about the fact that that people are doing it tough. And if you look at the politics of it, um, David Seymour now being asked about uh, tech, the tax cut program, if those. Combinations of parties are going to come together. For example, National and Act, um, X Tax Package. Even though he reviewed it after um, after Prefu, is still much more extensive than National. So we were asking um, Act this week. So would you support National's tax cut package? Are they affordable? And David Seymour basically said, Look, if if we get to that point after the election, he expects the books to be in a worse shape. And actually, the package may not be affordable. And he said that it might be the circumstances that dictate the. Ex- of the tax cuts as opposed to the parties themselves. So I thought that was really interesting, just really raising up a warning flag. Coming back to Joe's point about bottom lines, David Seymour really has been reluctant um, through the term to talk about bottom lines. He's indicated certainly Mm. areas of priority and that included the tax cut program um, and climate change. So I think that would be definitely something to watch out for because of course that that tax plan is National's key centre point centrepiece of its election campaign. Christopher Luxon's been promising this tax relief. So if there are any questions about the extent uh, of of that tax package, then you know, will Christopher Luxon actually start to acknowledge that they might have to phase it, they might have to bring it back a bit? Um, he certainly is not doing that at this point. I've got a question and it's about the campaigning. How many more cheese roll, sausage roll 
photo ops can we take? <laughs> I, have I mean, to, and I mean this seriously because the, the the two main leaders, you know, it's looking so sort of formulaic at the moment, well, isn't it? Well, one of the interesting points, I mean, National particularly has clearly adopted a, a low risk strategy this campaign. I mean, they have, it is very much designed with that six o'clock television news bulletin in mind, and the, I mean, the thinking behind it is hold one event. Every day, early in the day, lots of pictures for the cameras, hold that media stand up and then disappear. And there are some good reasons for that and that it's reducing the chance, I guess, for anything to go awry. It's also allowing Christopher Luxon more time to focus on debate prep and the like. And the strong lead that National has in the polls at the moment means that they can take that approach. I think various leaders have taken different strategies over the years. Everyone, well, we all remember Bill English <laughs> in 2017. Um, very long Running. days. Basically wore the media out. Um, jamming. That's when we started wearing sneakers on the campaign yeah. trail. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, John Key, back, he, he used to wrap his days up around 2 o'clock. Jacinda Ardern, Judith Collins, they tended to stick to one or two events a day too. I think the difference here is I mean, Christopher Luxon really is. He sometimes a stand up. His first, um, you know, the first, the, the only time that he talks to media during the day is at 10 o'clock in the morning before the day's even unfolded. Does anyone in the public out there care? I, I don't think so. I'd be surprised if they did. And I, that's probably why National Strategy. Uh, it has some merit. There's two points though I think with the way that the campaign has changed and one is the fact that as you alluded to Craig there's that divisiveness that exists post-COVID and the potential for interrupters mm. um, and protesters and sort of managing that because you don't want those bad pitches like you saw with the ACT campaign launch um, on the TV news or on the radio that evening. The other point though is that you have got uh, the National and Labour leaders polling as preferred Prime Ministers in the low 20s I mean the public is basically basically said they're not overly inspired by either of the options. And if you're going to take Chris Luxon or Chris Hipkins and put them into like a big supermarket mall or somewhere where you need a lot of people to mob them in the way that the likes of Bill English and Jacinda Ardern and John Key had, it probably won't happen. And that is a bad picture and bad mm. optics and they don't want that. So it's very orchestrated going to sort of businesses, school events, things where they can control the environment. But it also means that they're not talking to complete randoms who they might be able to persuade to vote for them because they're going into places where probably whoever is there stood in front of them who they're shaking the hand of is already either a national voter or a Labour voter. Luke, in terms of uh, Labour and trying to turn this thing around, they weren't helped by a news hub story last night with allegations of bullying against Shannon Halbert. Uh, this is a tough, you know, the time is running out, isn't it? Yeah, the runway is really shortening now. I mean, I think I think the key thing with the debates really is is the remaining the remaining three are really opportunities for Hipkins to try and land some sort of blow on Luxon, try and make Luxon make some sort of really significant mistake. I mean, at the moment, given that Labor's ruled out New Zealand first, I mean, you you, you look at it and, and basically say, you know, there's no poll that has them over 30. Um, there, if there is a path, it is extre- it is extremely narrow, and you know, sort of around the sort of Labor. Labor, Labor tribe, you know, but gallows humour is starting to set in now. It's um, uh, well, just know, ask, it's... just ask Greg O'Connor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Greg, Greg O'Connor, Greg O'Connor, member for a hurry here in Wellington, um, said at a meeting a couple of days ago, words to the effect of, uh, "Well, you know, um, Nicola, he's up against Nicola Willis. He said, well, Nicola Willis is going to probably be the finance minister, and unless something changes, we're going to lose. So you'd rather have me as your local member because I'll actually be around and be able to do stuff for you.'" 
The political polls are also coming in with increasing regularity and back up what Greg O'Connor was saying publicly. His comments were in his own self-interest but are not at all helpful for Labour as it fights an uphill battle in the remaining weeks. This week's One News Variant poll still showed National and ACT on the right able to put a government together just, and New Zealand first steady on that crucial 5% mark. Act and the Greens picked up a bit of support, seemingly at the expense of the two larger parties, which both dipped slightly. The focus next week will be on the second head-to-head debate between Chris Hipkins and Chris Luxon, with the start of early voting fast approaching on Monday, October the 2nd. The RNZ team will be bringing you all of the latest developments and analysis from the campaign trail. Join us again next week. That's Focus on Politics. I'm Jane Patterson. Thanks for joining us. Mark Tewa.